This week on the Habs Forum, we're back after about a month off, if not more. I mean, not much was happening in the Habs world. A few signings, if some small news here and there, and then all of a sudden, seemingly out of the blue, the Carolina Hurricanes offer sheet caught Kinyami. And honestly, uh, we should feel kind of stupid to not have seen this uh, coming. Obvious retaliation to the AHO uh, offer sheet from uh, from a couple years ago. So there's a, a lot to talk about there. I mean, Kat Kinyami has been a hot topic on this podcast basically since we started the podcast. So, I mean, we, we have a lot of, of opinions. I, I swear I've gone back and forth on matching and not matching about 50 times since I found uh, found out about uh, the news. I mean, there's that to talk about. There's not much else, honestly. It's been a month, like I said. There's been little news here and there to talk about that we might uh, touch on. But I think this is going to be mainly a Kat Kinyemi uh, focused, uh, podcast. So, uh, let's get right into it. Uh, Dustin, I mean, I think we found out at the same time because we both weren't paying attention to Twitter or anything. And then our, our friend Hugo messaged us being like, why aren't you guys talking about this? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it came out of nowhere on like a Saturday night. We were, we were getting ready to uh, to go drink or pre-drink before heading out to the bar, and uh, this this definitely made uh, the Saturday night a little bit more interesting, and uh, and obviously gave us a lot to talk about going to the bar. But I mean, like you said, I mean, and I think a lot of people probably feel this way. I mean, I, I've gone back and forth, I think a hundred times. Like I, I don't think I've I've had the same answer for like half an hour straight. Like it just. It's such it's a hard decision. I mean, may, you know, maybe something like you said, it's something that we probably should have seen coming. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, and yeah, it, it was still out of the blue. You know, I mean, we nothing had really happened in Habsland for for I mean, basically since the last time we did an episode. I mean, last three, four weeks, nothing's really happened. And then an absolute atomic bomb dropped by Carolina. So, so then uh, let's go through like our progression through this. My immediate reaction personally, uh, this might just be because like here's the thing. Historically, something like 99% of like Dustin Penner like 10 years ago or even more than that at this point, they didn't accept it. And there's been like a, one or two aside from that. But like the vast majority of the time. These offer these offer sheets just get get matched, right? So my my first refre- reflex is matching it for sure. Then I, I saw the six point one million, and I was like shocked because that's a lot of money for Kaikini before he's he's proven so much so far in the NHL. But then I see one year, so I'm like, oh, why not match it for sure? And then all the news comes out about how it affects his qualifying offers moving forward. <sighs> I mean, I'm still going back and forth, but I feel like I'm still leaning in it a little bit more towards. Towards matching. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I I think so too. Cause yeah, I mean, like like, like you said, I mean, most of the time, I th- Dustin Penn is really the only one that comes to mind. I can't really even think of another one that wasn't matched. I'm sure there there's you know probably two or three other ones, but uh, man, like in the nineties or like in stuff like that, like it's 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 very rare that it happens. And I can't remember. I don't think anyway, to my knowledge, off the top of my head, at least, there's never been. It, you know, anytime that we see an offer sheet, it's for multiple seasons. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't think there's ever been one for one year. And it's just, you know, I mean, it, it face value when you first see it, six, 6.1 million. Oh, man, that's a lot of money, especially for Kakinami. Like the number that you probably would have expected for Kakinami, like between two and three million, I would have said. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, you know, maybe a bridge deal for like two, three years or something like that. Yeah, definitely a bridge deal. Yeah. At six point one million, that's a lot of money. I mean, how it, really is there even any for uh, Brennan Gallagher is the only forward on the Canadians that make that's that would make more than him. Yeah, just, he'd be yeah. He'd be the second highest played uh, forward. Uh, then Jeff Petrie and Carey Price are the only other players that make more uh, than that. Jeff Petrie just ba- barely makes more than that, right? And he's uh, he's an established player in the NHL. Uh, I mean, the, the the reason it makes it a big question mark for me is what it means for his qualifying offers moving forward. Now, to be clear, like what a lot of people are saying is that then the Canadians have to pay him something like six point seven million moving forward. That's not necessarily true. In fact, George Laroque put out. Uh, tweet today. I mean, I guess he probably said on the radio. I mean, George Laroque has been very, very wrong in the past. I mean, he basically confirmed Dan to Vegas and he signed in L.A., right? So so he, he's not necessarily uh, 100% the, the most reliable. I think he gets – I do think he gets some information. Like, I don't think he makes it out of thin air. But I think as soon as he hears something, he tweets it out, you know? Like, he doesn't really – check his his sources too much and he kind of th- sends it out right away and he's saying that if the canadians don't match the offer the carolina hurricanes already have kind of a handshake deal that then cut kanyemi they can't sign him right away it has to it has to wait till january but that they would re-sign him to a they, he said multi-year but like medium length so like not an eight-year deal probably something around like the four or five year deal at four million dollars per year now that that makes it a very different right like you don't want to keep paying kakinimi six million dollars but if their gamble here at carolina is they're saying okay we're going to pay him a few million too much this season just to steal him away from the canadians just for one year and then we're going to sign him on a much more reasonable contract and kakinimi he wasn't going to get four million this year because it was going to be a bridge deal but I mean, four million. Like, Kutkini becoming a four million dollar player is not a crazy idea to me. Like, if you told me he was willing to sign like a long term contract for four million dollars, I might be willing to do that because then it's like you're you're guaranteeing value, and if he does break out to the player you think he's going to become, you know, you're actually saving uh, with with that contract. So I mean, it's not for sure the Canadians would have to keep paying him over six million, but then would Kutkini want to sign that same kind of? four or five years at $4 million contract with the Canadians, or if we match Kotkaniemi in reality is not too happy in Montreal. And it's just going to be like, nah, give me my qualifying offer every year. And he's going to go on one year contract, making as much money as he can. Exactly. I mean, there's so much, obviously that we don't know going, going on behind closed doors. I mean, who knows what the, what the contract talks have been like between Kotkaniemi and the Habs, um, you know what? What their what what Bergevin and and the organization's feelings are about him signing, and and obviously, I mean, the way that the contract was structured is ov- is an obvious revenge ploy by yeah. the Americans. Um So you know, I mean, maybe there there could potentially be some hurt feelings. Not that there necessarily should be. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. But yeah, I mean, six point one million. I mean, like, like you said, I mean, moving forward, if the Canadians wanted to qualify him. The, the very least now, you know, basically the Canadians would uh, could qualify him at that amount, but they could potentially take him to arbitration uh, and offer him a minimum of 80 percent of that salary. So potentially the Canadians next year, uh, you know, they, they could be paying him as little as basically like, I think, five point one million. But they like, still could be paying him less is what I was saying. If they if they offer him a long term contract, like for five years, like four million, that's still possible to do. You don't have to pay him the qualifying offer 
money if if they if they if both parties agree to a long term contract. It's whether or not Kakiemi would, would prefer a long term or just going one year per one year per one year at the higher money. Yeah, that's the thing. So, I mean, I, like you were saying, like the five year deal, four per per year. I mean, I think that that could be a pretty pretty decent option. I mean, you know, with the Canadians, assuming Kaki, if Kakiemi does come back with the Canadians next year. I mean, it, it would obviously seem like he's going to be the second line center heading into next season. So, I mean, it's, that's not really that bad of a number. He's going to have, you know, potentially some pretty good line mates uh, next season. So wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a terrible number, but you know, again, I mean that first of all, like you said, I mean, George LaRock is not always the most reliable person. I, I definitely would take anything that he said with a grain of salt. Um, you know, I don't think he necessarily cares about being right. He always just seems to want to be yeah. first. Um, he has been right in the past. That's why I do think he like he predicted actually the Aho. Well, not specifically for Aho, but he said the Canadians are going to make a qualifying offer like the day before the Canadians did it. Uh, so I mean, he does have some information, but I do I, I just don't think he double checks his source too much. No, exactly. And uh, you know, I mean, like you said, who knows if if that is true that Kakanami has that sort of deal already in place with the Hurricanes. If the Habs don't match, I mean, who's to say that he would want to sign the same deal? Like you said, no, exactly, I mean, no guarantee. You know, there, there might be some some hurt feelings about how how things have played out really since the beginning of his career, and and it's particularly last well this this year's playoffs. I mean, obviously he he was a scratch multiple times, despite being at times one of the best forwards on the Canadians. So, so I, I mean, it's it's and something that I think is worth considering too. Is his best friend for his first few years in Montreal. This is Victor Mete. And he didn't have the greatest, you know, he probably felt like he, he, he wasn't giving the right opportunities and all that. We talked about this here. We don't necessarily agree with that here. We think he was been giving a lot of opportunities. But if these are the people he's talking to, and then he's getting the same thing. Uh, then kind of Suzuki came in and kind of took over his his place and all that. I not that I'm saying Kakimi is necessarily right, but I wouldn't be shocked to hear that Kakimi is as unhappy in Montreal. In his end of season press conference, um, one of the reporters addressed the fact that he's he played basically with everyone on the team. Like he had no consistency uh, with with his line mates, which is definitely something that can be difficult for uh, for a young player. You'd like to see him be able to adapt, uh, but. When he, this was brought to his attention, like he wasn't, he, he didn't exactly shut down the idea that that could be a problem for him, right? He he wasn't against the reporter kind of talking about that. So uh, there's a lot of little things here and there that make me tend to believe that it, it, it is entirely possible that that Kotkaniemi isn't super happy uh, with uh, with his situation in Montreal. So now the the thing is there, I, I do think that plays a role. Because if you don't think you can fix that relationship, the big thing that this contract does, if the Canadians match, is it gives Kotkaniemi all the the bargaining power, right? If he doesn't want the Canadians to match, and if he's unhappy in Montreal, then he's just going to keep signing those one-year contracts. He's not going to want to sign that long-term contract like they were talking about on Carolina. And then all of a sudden, he's even if they get him down to, to $5 million, and it's like, look, I want to believe that Kotkaniemi is going to play next year and he's going to play as hard as he can regardless of the situation. But the problem with this contract is it kind of guarantees him a certain amount of money, regardless of his performance. So yeah. is that a problem that it's going to affect his motivation for performance? And I'm sorry, we've seen this time and time again in professional sports. I mean, contract years are historically a year where play- players perform more. You know, the, 
we like to believe that these athletes are just like about the honor and the like you know all that stuff and playing for the jersey and as some are and some are less and Kakinami's still young so we don't really know and if he's money motivated the money's already in the bank basically yeah no it, 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 i mean there's there's so many layers to this i mean you know it's 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 tough to say and yeah i mean like you said who knows how motivated he's going to be i mean i i think you know it 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 obviously they you and like you said, I mean, you could tell, and not only from Kukiniemi's sort of side, but like even Bergevin and Duchamp have never really been, even at like the end of year pressers, when they, you know, the, you could sort of see that Dano was on the on the way out. They they never really committed to Kukiniemi. You know, they sort of left it left it left it up in the air about what his role was sort of going to be. So, you know, I mean, may, maybe it's it goes both ways too. You know, I mean, maybe the Canadians aren't don't don't feel like he's been maybe putting in the work i mean who who knows really what's 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 happening behind i think them. what bergevin and Duchamp were doing in the boat the end of season conference by not kind of like guaranteeing that kakinimi was a number two center and all that all all i felt like they were doing is they wanted it to be it to be clear for kakinimi who's still a very young player they still want him to to work his butt off they still want him to feel like he needs to fight for that position and they take nothing for granted and come into camp hungry ready to prove that that's his spot that number two center is his spot i think that's what they were doing with that right and whether or not could cut liked that i don't know i mean he doesn't usually seem like the type of player who he who thinks anything's owed to him and all that he never has seemed to have a an attitude problem in his time in montreal at all right um but uh but then with this it's like I don't know. I'm worried because Kakanimi could become worth this contract, right, if he hits his potential and all that. But the, but the big thing, though, the biggest thing for, for Bergevin now is, like, the, the center. We were talking about the center position being a weak spot before this happened. And we've been has fans for long enough that we know how hard it is to go get, a, like, good depth at center. And I, the Canadians have Suzuki, who I do believe is a true number one center. He's fantastic. But, I mean, I mean we, we spent years being fans of the Canadians who had a great number one center, maybe not a top tier in the NHL in Saku Koyevu, but still a top NHL. Like, I still think he was, like, a number one center, you know, if you consider there's... 30 number one center like there were times in the nhl where it was like top 15 or anything like that you, if you have one of those guys it's not enough like because then after that there was no depth so then you all of a sudden have the same type of team where you have the young guy who's really good but then there's no centers after him yes our wingers are great but you can't go into the season with suzuki jake evans ryan paling and what Cid- cedric pocket as your as your center lines like centerman like that's that's just unthinkable it's not like there's anything on free in free agency they can go get that is worthy of the top six role so i mean what i think is happening right now is bergevin is scrambling on the phones trying to see if he can make a deal if he can flip the pick he gets for kakinyemi and like there's the rumors for christian dvorak and all that but if he can't make anything like that work and let's not forget he he's not exactly negotiating from a position of power with these other teams right now if he can't make anything happen he has to sign Kakinyemi. He can't go into next season with Suzuki, Evans, Paling, and Pocket as a sentiment. It's just, it's just not possible. No, that's. I mean, like your two, three, like you said. I mean, two, three, four centers, Paling, uh, Pocket, and and Evans. I mean, I'm not even convinced 
any one of them is a third line center. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, that that obviously would be disastrous. I mean, that yeah, the, the, he obviously has to do something. And like you said, I mean, the the bad thing right now is that he's obviously not negotiating from from you know to, from a position of power. I mean. You know, a couple of names out there. I mean, especially Dvorak. We've talked about Dvorak in the past that he could uh, he could have been a good option once Dano left. I mean, you know, who knows what it would cost now? Because obviously, Arizona knows that they're not in a position of power. But I mean, like you said, at this point, I don't think they have much of a choice. But I mean, I think no matter what the Habs do, I mean, you're you're basically making Bergevin look pretty foolish. Yeah. So, you know, if if he accepts it, he's he's paying obviously a huge salary to a guy that's nowhere near worth that amount at this point. Um, you know, he's he, you know he's probably three times more than he than he should be getting paid. You know, he's probably yeah. probably worth about two million. He's going to be getting six point one million. That's you know he, he looks a little he looks pretty silly for sure that way. But you know, if if you turn it down, then a guy that you drafted three years ago, third overall. You're letting go for, you know, Carolina is probably going to have a pretty good team. So it's going to be, you know, maybe mid 20s pick and a third round pick that that look that makes you and and even your scouts look pretty dumb. So it's it's really just it it's just a terrible look no matter what, really. And the thing with Kakinami too, that worries me so much. I mean, like, I know this is like some people are sick of hearing this, that he's so young, but he really is. I mean, you look at the draft class and people will tell you, oh, Kakinami wouldn't even be a top 10 pick if it was redrafted. That's just not true. I mean, I agree he'd probably slide down a little bit. I mean, everyone's going to tell you about Brady Kachuk and Quinn Hughes, sure. But like after that, I mean, the guys with a lot of games played, like guys like Philip Zadina hasn't proven much, like, Guys like Joel Farabee, Noah Dobson, like some okay players, but these are all still young players with a lot to prove. It's not with it's not crazy to, to say that Kutkinimi could end up in the next couple of years being still one of the top players from it from his draft class. So there's so much risk here for 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 Bergman, because if he doesn't match and Kutkinimi does become a top line center, uh, like even if he just becomes like a 50, 60 point consistent kind of playmaking center reliable defensively he still looks like an idiot you know like 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 no matter what i don't know man it's such a, it's such a bad position to be in but I mean, what's interesting about giving the too much money or too early someone made a point about this on twitter and i kind of i kind of agreed with their point is that we're so used to overpaying free agents like ufas for what they've already done. We are always play, paying players for what they've already done when they, we know they're most likely not going to be able to keep producing at the same pace. So we're always playing for what's already been produced. But now it's like Carolina's paying what they're, like they're gambling on Kutkinimi being a better player moving forward. You know what I mean? It's not that crazy to say that it's not a, uh, it's a, it's a bad gamble to gamble on the future of a player versus gambling on the past of a player, you know? So I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's definitely a good point. I mean, but I mean, let's, let's be honest here. We all know that, that they strictly did this as revenge oh, for the for sure. A hundred percent. Cause I mean, it really doesn't make any sense for Carolina to do this. I mean, you know, I, I am kidding. I'm a hundred percent convinced that they want no part in actually signing Kukinami. They absolutely expect the Canadians to, to, to match. And they're hoping that, that they match because 6.1 million. I mean, well, I, mean I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, I, I think this, this is a calculated risk. I don't think they're mad if the Canadians match. Um, 
And I, I, I also like they talked to Kutkinami clearly, but I, actually, would that be colluding the whole handshake deal that they supposedly have that George Larac is is like, <laughs> like would they even be allowed to have that deal in place? Anyways, I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, like, if they do think that they can sign him for like a long term formula moving forward, I don't think that that's crazy of a move. What they did, I still think 100% it was a revenge move. But as far as like, if we were if you if we weren't the ones be affected by this, this is a this was a brilliant offer sheet by Carolina. If all you wanted to do is screw the Canadians, I mean, here's the problem: you're not your focus should be on making your team better, not hurting other teams. But if you consider their goal was to piss off the Canadians, they did a fantastic job because this is one of the most complicated offer sheets I ever remember. Maybe the most complicated on whether or not the team should accept it or, uh, or match it or no. I mean, c- compared to the AHO one, which which was such a stupid offer sheet. I mean, I think the first podcast we did after it, we were excited about it. But as soon as we heard more information, I mean, it seems pretty clear to me, at least, that Bergeron was kind of tricked by Aho's agent uh, into believing that Carolina wouldn't be able to match that offer, but it was a no-brainer offer for Carolina to match. And Aho's not even, he's not even overpaid right now. Usually that's what happens, right? The, the player that got an offer sheet ends up overpaid and that they're they're saddled with, with a bad contract for matching the offer sheet and all that. But Aho was like, it's fine. All you did is piss them off and then you weren't ready to re-sign Kutkaniemi, apparently. Uh, because if anything, they should have known this was coming and maybe be a li- play a little less hardball with Kutkaniemi. And look, he, let's say they were offering, I think I saw the rumor that it was like $2.5 million. What if offering him three point five gets the deal done and then you don't have an RFA that's waiting to get offer sheeted when you know, you know you're the team that's probably the most likely to get an offer sheet, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just overall, like we've been, we've made a lot, we paid a lot of compliments to Bergman's uh, work in the last year or so, but this is just all terrible for him all around. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's definitely not a good look. I mean, you know, you, like you said, I mean, you had to kind of be expecting it a little bit, even though I mean, it was it was obviously still a pretty big surprise, but yeah, you had to kind of expect that there was going to be some retaliation. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's obviously not a great look to to be basically caught with your pants down like this and but again i mean i'm I'm still not convinced that they want that they really want to sign him i mean obviously you know if, if that if that deal were to go through that you know the four or five years for four million that that would make a lot more sense but i mean first of all they really don't need a center they already have aho they have um jordan stall they have trocek mm. uh, and who um and uh step on yeah, Stepan, Martin Nekash as well. So, I mean, they, they obviously have like a bunch of guys right there. They're going to have to pay some of these guys next year as well. I mean, Nekash, he's going to be an RFA. Um, Trocek is going to be done his contract. You know, need a writer as well. Uh, there's a couple of defensemen as well. So, I mean, and and not only that, but like you just, okay, so you just gave Kakinami 6.1 million. We were all making fun of them at the beginning of the offseason because they let go their Calder. Yeah. A nominee, nominated goaltender, young goaltender, a former second round pick that was basically going to be your goaltending future in Alex Nedeljkovic, traded him for absolutely nothing for a third round pick, I think, to Detroit. And you let go of arguable, well, I, I, I don't think it's arguably that Dougie Hamilton's a top 10 defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, yeah for a little bit more money and you know potentially you could have maybe signed him for a little bit less than than what he uh, he he eventually signed with the with the Devils for. So you let go of those two guys, obviously your team would be a lot better with one of those two guys than with Kaikinami. 
So, I mean, it, it just and on top of that, they signed Tony D'Angelo, right? Yeah. Which yeah. pissed off a lot of people too, right? So it's almost they do this to kind of they have the whole social media thing ready to go, so people forget about all the other moves they made, you know. But I'm like, like, like you were, you were talking about before that it obviously sucks because we're Canadians fans. I mean, we we hate that this is happening to us. I would find it hilarious if oh, it was happening to another team. But 100%. if I'm a Carolina fan, honestly, I wouldn't be that thrilled about it. No. I'd be oh, yeah, kind of yeah, we're getting revenge on them. But after seeing them lose Nedeljkovic and Hamilton and then signing, giving all that money to uh, to to Kukinemi, I I wouldn't be super thrilled about it. I I would have loved it at first. Uh, because I, I thought it was so funny and the whole the Uno card thing and how they gave the exact same statement as Bergevin. They changed their bio to French. I would appreciate that. And then I would take a step back, sobered up a little bit, you know, because they did this Saturday night. And then and then, and then uh, Sunday morning or they did it Friday. I can't remember one or the other. And then when I would have woke up the next day and really thought about it, I would have been like, wait, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> like, what, what What is happening? Uh, so yeah, I, I definitely see where you, where you're coming from. I just don't know if I agree that they don't want him to sign because that to me is too ridiculous. That to well, me that that is such a big risk for them to take if they don't want. It. I think it's a calculated risk. They're fine if he doesn't sign, and they, they just think it's funny, I guess. Uh, but like, you've got to think that you know they have a plan in place if he does sign, you know. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I mean. They must have some sort of a plan in place for either way, I guess. But but apparently it wasn't even the GM Don Waddell that. Yeah, I heard that too. Yeah, it was it was the owner. So that even makes it more of a more of an obvious uh, you know revenge ploy. And then you had TSN posting uh, posting an article or whatever it was today. I, I just saw the headline there that uh, that you know what what did they say exactly? It was like uh, this is not a revenge offer sheet. This is just how offer sheets work. That like that's ridiculous. It's like okay, they literally gave him a bonus of twenty dollars. Like they're not trying to hide that it's a revenge offer sheet. Like I don't know what what TSM was trying to do with that article. It's just like it's obviously a revenge story. Like it's fine. Like wh- what are you talking about? And also, <laughs> if the Canadians don't match it, they should offer sheet neck ash next year. I don't care. <laughs> But yeah. then again, we're just talking about how like it's stupid to do that if uh, if you don't think it's the smart move. Uh, yeah, just keep, like, yeah, just keep it going every year. Yeah, keep it. Well, that's the thing. This offer sheet to me kills the offer sheet. Uh, because it's just like, do you want to be the next team? You know, the, because that it shows. You know, oh, if you do it, then you're gonna get the revenge offer sheet. That's just. But, like, our offer sheet was nowhere near as predatory, I think. Because this is an offer sheet. Everything about it is, like, they it's, – it's to screw the Canadians, right? Like, I do think that it's, this is more about screwing the Canadians than making them better. Like, I do think it's a revenge thing. Oh, man. I don't know. I keep going back and forth. I don't know what to do with this offer sheet. I can't – but it's, it's hard, really, to have an opinion because we're not Bergevin. And we don't know what he's doing on his side. you got to think – Bergevin, I think, would prefer not to match, but he knows that he kind of has to match if he can't replace Kakinami like right away. The, the, yeah. the problem is you can't risk not matching because it's not like it's easy to go get a top six center. There's no guarantee if he doesn't match that he'll be able to go get a center to to start the season. So he has the rest of this week, you know, this full seven days to to, to try to work out a deal, and if he can't. In that timeline, I feel like he has no choice but to match. 
Yeah, no, I mean, uh, that definitely makes makes sense. And, yeah, it, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, because obviously they can't go into uh, into next season, especially after going all the way to Stanley Cup final. There, There's no way they want to take, uh, you know, a step to where, obviously, if they're, if they're going with, you know, maybe Ryan Paling as their second line center, they're not making the playoffs. I mean, you know, even with Kukinemi or potentially Christian Dvorak, it's going to be an uphill battle with, with how good our division is. So, oh, not, sure. No, for sure. But the, the thing is, is I'm not even looking at it as whether or not we're competitive this year. Kotkaniemi was supposed to be a center for this team for the next, like, decade. Yeah. That, that, that's the thing. Like, I'm not concerned about next season. Like, I, we we were in the middle of the playoff run, and I was like, we better enjoy this because there's a good chance we don't make the playoff next year. Like, I, I haven't really changed my tune. I think I think that they did some moves in the offseason that are, that are not bad, and they might have a chance to kind of – fight their way to the last spot but it all depends on whether or not one of the four teams ahead of them and and the division like maybe one of the teams falls off a little bit has bad injuries like anything can happen but it's not like i think this team is a cup contender with or without kakiniemi or dvorak or or whatever all the more reason why i don't want to lose the 21 year old third overall pick from like three years ago you know yeah yeah so so, i mean yeah, I think yeah. The more the more we talk about, it, I think yeah, he probably he doesn't have a choice. I mean, you know, unless he does go somehow make a big deal, man. Maybe maybe he ends up going going to get Jack Eichel. Who knows? But uh, yeah, cooking yeah, I mean, you would think unless unless like things are really sour between the between uh, you know the, him and the organization, then uh, yeah, the, he'll probably will have to match at the end of the day. And the, here's the thing too, cooking I'm not mad at him for accepting this. Like, if my company's direct competitor comes to me and tells me, we will give you three times your salary that you can realistically get at your current job, and at the same time, after you sign it, we're going to flip your company off, you know? I'll be like, all right, flip him off. I don't care. Like, you're paying me three times more than I should be making? Like, of course he's going to say yes to that. Like, I, I, I don't get being mad at Kakanyemi. Like, like no one is going to say no to what, like four million extra dollars in one year, like, and potentially a lot down the road too. Like this gives him bargaining power down the road. And he, because some people are arguing the fact that he signed the contract with the bonus and, and all that stuff means he doesn't care, blah, 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 blah. I mean, he was given a $6 million contract. He didn't care about the bonuses. He's like, oh, sign me up. But that's, that's what happened there, you know? I'm not saying that maybe he is unhappy in Montreal. Maybe he isn't, but I'm not mad at him for accepting the huge contract. Like, come on. No, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, and, and for people saying that, oh, it's going to be a problem in the locker room, players are going to hate him. Uh, I mean, you just got to look as far as Shea, the captain of the Canadians right now, Shea Weber, yeah. did the exact same thing. Exactly. He signed, you know, that's how he ended up with the contract that he has now. He signed an offer sheet, I, I believe, when he was with uh, when he was the captain of the Predators yep. with the so and uh, yeah. and obviously he's known as uh, one of if not the best leader in the NHL right no. now. So. The the idea that the Canadians locker room will be upset about this is preposterous. The players are already texting him, telling him good job, celebrating because it just means more potential money for them. Like a one, the the rest of the team is not mad at him for this at all. There, there's 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 no way. There's no way. Like, I, I just can't see that. I mean, actually, I, I was watching Nick Suzuki was on uh, Habs tonight 
like uh, the day after this happens. We talked about it real quickly. And I mean, obviously he's going to say all the right things and all that, but like he basically said what you expect the players to say. It was good for him. It's good for his family. And, and, and at the end of the day, the players know that if one player gets paid, they're more likely to get paid. And Suzuki, like he didn't look like he was, you know, holding back his words or anything. He looked perfectly happy for his buddy that he got a paycheck and he was probably texting his brother and being like, hey, how much do you think they're going to have to pay me now because I've been playing way better than Kotkaniemi and uh, he just got $6.1 million. See, that's that's the thing. It screws the Canadians. But the players in their locker room, they're not mad at Kotkaniemi for getting paid for the opposite of that. No, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, no, that, that, that's just ridiculous. I mean, maybe, you know, there could maybe be some hurt feelings between Bergevin and Kakinami, but yeah. who really cares about that? I mean, and, like, Bergevin does seem like the type to be butthurt about this. He does. He definitely does. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting week, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this plays out. But, uh, yeah, that, I think at, at the end of the day, you know, if uh, well, if we're doing a podcast next week, uh, we're going to be talking about Kakinemi and uh, coming back to that. Yeah, well, whatever the decision ends up being, right? So if the Canadians do match, though, the, the Kakinemi, I to me, it, it's over. Even if they do match, he will not be a Montreal Canadian long term. Now, we, 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 we looked it up before, and I understand that you can't be traded right away after matching and all that. But I just mean that he's not—he's no longer. Assuming Bergevin's still the GM of the Montreal Canadiens, I don't even think it matters how well he performs and all that. If anything, they'll be happy if he performs well because it'll be easier to trade him for good assets. I—I I, I do think because of the type of personality Bergevin has, I don't like. Maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like the relationship between Kadkinami and the Canadians, specifically Bergevin, is now soured for good, whether or not he accepts the—he the, matches the offer sheet. I mean, it could very well be. Uh, you know, th- there are a lot of people that do seem to think that that Bergevin is in his last year here. Um, so I mean, who knows what you know? Yeah. If if he does leave, I mean, who knows how that how that would ap- impact things? But you know, it it could very well be. But I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know, it, we we know as Canadians fans how hard it is to find a solid young center, and yeah. and he could potentially be that. He obviously hasn't really progressed. I mean, aside from the play, from the two last playoff runs where he played pretty decent, you know, if anything, he's actually regressed almost. You could say yeah. the last, you know. So his rookie year is arguably his best year. Yeah, it, it definitely is. You know, thirty-four points in seventy-nine games. He only had twenty points last season. And even if you look at the advanced stats, like he, generally speaking, like if you look at the numbers, he did better in the in his rookie season. But uh, but I I mean again you know we've talked about it before many times on the podcast you know he he played with so many different players the last couple of, well the, really the last well especially last season yeah. uh, you know presumably this season if he's with the Habs you would have to think he's at least going to be starting as a second line center and you know he's he's definitely going to have some solid wingers I mean you could you know you could be looking at him and with like you know probably um uh, you know like maybe Gallagher maybe playing with uh with Drouin potentially yeah, with Drouin. Mike so I mean that's a hell of a lot better than playing with like Paul Byron and, and Arturi Lekkinen no so. for sure for sure like I don't want to lose Kakinimi personally it's just it's it's the contract the more I think about it they have to keep him like even if they don't keep him and then they trade that the first and the third let's say they don't keep him and then they trade the first and the third for Dvorak are you happy with that uh, and that's no, I, I guess not. I mean, I, I definitely feel a lot better about it. 
I mean, if they could get Dvorak, but yeah, I mean, you know, he's, I mean, Dvorak is, yeah, I definitely think Dvorak's better than Kokinemi right now, but you know, I mean, the ceiling and and Dvorak don't like, I mean, let's not forget he's only 25 years old, so he's not even in his prime either yet, but Kokinemi, that's, that's debatable. I mean, 25, 26, 27 is pretty much the prime these days. Yeah. So he's, so he's at the, at the beginning of his prime. Sure, sure. But I don't think he's going to be much better than what he is now, is what I'm saying. No, like, probably not. You know, uh, you know uh, he scored 17 goals last season. So, I mean, potentially, you know, in an 82 goal or an 82 game schedule, you're looking at, uh, you know, maybe tw- 25 goals, which, you know, I don't see Kakinemi scoring 25 goals. He scored five last season. Yeah, so, I mean, sure. he, only has, he has 22 so far in 171 NHL games. So, you know, it's uh, it'd be a gamble. I mean, I, I definitely think you know it would definitely reduce the sting a lot. Uh, you For know, sure. I mean, I it, it it would help Bergevin save face. Um, but yeah, I mean, if 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 I was gonna trade, would I trade Kokinemi straight up before all this happened for Dvorak? No, no I wouldn't. Because no, when we were talking about acquiring Dvorak, we liked the idea of having him and Kokinemi be the two three. You know. It's, the idea was having both of them, not, not one or the other, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, I don't know what else is available. Like, one name I saw throughout there, because apparently uh, they're kind of over him uh, in Washington, is because uh, but he's had a lot of drama, right, is, uh, is Kuznetsov. Um, I, mean, I don't know if I want Kuznetsov on the team, honestly. I don't know if that's the right move for the Canadians at all. Like, you're getting much older there at that point. Like I don't know exactly how old he is, Kuznetsov, but he's not he's not as young as uh, as Kakinyemi. That's uh, that's for sure. Let's see. He's 29 years old. You know, so seven point. You know, it doesn't even make sense. Like, they'd have to take on salary too. It's like so. So like, who's the center they're gonna go get? Jack Eichel is not happening. You know. No. 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 It's, uh... Yeah. I mean, uh, no. At the, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, I, I think Kakinyemi is gonna gonna end up staying with the Habs um, you know just because again I mean Bergevin there's no way he can he can not have a second line center at the end of the week you know or, or a replacement option for Kakinyemi he's gonna have to end up uh, end up matching the and offer if the Canadians do match and I think at this point we both agree that like if we had to put money on it we're saying they match yeah uh, if, if they do match man I'm gonna be very curious to see how Kakinyemi does He's going to have such a – he already had – he was already becoming the scapegoat of this team. Tell you what, Dwayne is going to have no eyes on him. He's going to be able to do whatever he wants because everyone's going to be looking at Kutkiniemi. Uh, man, he, uh, he better be ready to go right away. And if he seems at all like he's slacking, like slacking off or anything like that, it's not even like he ever seemed that way, but like he better be ready to go because he's going to hear it from the fans at, for sure, for sure. That's a lot of pressure, especially in this market. And, uh, I mean, not even from, well, I mean, yeah, definitely yes from the fans, but I mean, like even before this, it was, it was especially the media that always seemed to like pick on. And I mean, that's going to be a million times worse. Oh yeah. So have all all the more reason I've already talked to a few, like, you know, like we all have like hockey fans at work, you know, they're, they're into hockey, but they're, they're not like doing a podcast or listening to multiple podcasts or on the message words all the time. You know, they're not quite as knowledgeable as we are, as I'm assuming most of our fans that listen to the podcast are. 
And the, what I keep hearing from them is that because they still feel like, you know, it's it's an honor just to wear the Habs jersey, which I don't disagree with. But, like, we, the reality is, is we are now in more of a business-minded thing when it comes to the players and who they play for. And all they were saying is, like, screw Kakinyemi. If he wanted to play in Montreal, he never would have signed that. He chose to sign that. Like, that's the type of feeling I think a lot of fans will have, which is I don't think how you should look at it. But, you know... The more reasonable kind of way of looking at it that, that we, we tend to see you know, in, in the more, more knowledgeable part of the fan base it does not represent the larger portion of the fan base. Uh, Katiyemi is going to get booed from game one, I think. And the only stop, the way it stops is, is if he performs extremely well. <laughs> you think he gets booed on opening night? A hundred percent. Really? I uh. do. I, I, I do. I really do. I, I, if it's not opening night, it, it's not going to take a very like, – it's like by the end of opening night because he hasn't <laughs> done anything in the first two periods. Like, I, like here's, let's not forget that when it comes to getting booed, you only need like like what? Like 100 people booing you and you can hear it on, on TV. You know, like it's not that hard to, to get the booing to make it to the TV. You know, like – if he has the puck at a quiet time in the game and all that, like, and then it's, it's mom mentality and people are going to be like, I don't know why we're booing him, but let's boom. You know what I mean? Like I, I do, I really believe it. And if it's not game one, it's going to happen very quickly unless he scores real quick. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I don't see it happening game one, but yeah, I could see it. Yeah. He'll definitely have a short leash. Yeah, I could <laughs> see him getting booed in a preseason game. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm surprised you don't think that could happen. I, uh, I, I don't agree with it. I obviously don't, but I really think he could get booed very quickly. People think that he, he – a lot of people are of the opinion that it's he is screwing the Canadians, like not Carolina because he chose to sign the contract. Yeah, again, which is crazy, but yeah. I mean a lot of Hab fans are a little – no, exactly. We're talking about the Habs fans here, you know? Like, we're passionate, you know, in, in all the right ways and all the wrong ways. But anyways, I mean, I think that, that pretty much covers the basis for Kotkini. I mean, is there anything else? I mean, if we're giving our prediction now, I think we're matching. We'll see what happens after that. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we'll be doing a podcast again next, probably next Monday or Tuesday. Yeah, uh, whenever we find out, you know, what uh, what happened and give her a reaction to that. And aside from that, there's really nothing else to talk about since the last. But the only thing I can think of is uh, there was that post that Dwayne uh, was at the training center looking happy. Uh, I, 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 Nick Suzuki mentioned in the interview I was listening to uh, that he, he was golfing with some of the guys, you know. So he, he's skating. He's he, he, he's getting ready for the season. He's interacting with his, with his teammates. So that's obviously fantastic news. As far as news that we've had this offseason as Habs fans. I think it's important to acknowledge the good news when it does happen. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, no, it's definitely definitely great to see that for sure. Because, um, I mean, uh, you know, I, I definitely did not expect to see, you know, for even despite all the talk that we heard, I, di- I definitely didn't expect to see Drouin back with the Habs at yeah. any point. I thought he would be moved. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely great to see, you know, who knows what he was battling with, but hopefully he's, hopefully that's, that's behind him at this point and, and he can, you know, just concentrate on, uh, you know, on, on hockey and not have to worry about anything else. And hopefully he's going to be good to go and, uh, and, you know, ready physically and mentally and, and hopefully he can have a good season and get, uh, get back on track here. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely that good to see. And then, you know, aside from that, I mean, 
and the season's going to be starting before we know it. I mean, uh, Habs rookie camp, I believe, is coming up on September. September. Yeah. And uh, I think the first Canadians preseason game is September 23rd. So yeah. uh, Potentially, we'll have some names uh, for rookie camp and all that uh, going into next week. And uh, you know, when we do our next episode to uh, to to talk about what happened with Kakinami, and and maybe we'll have some other news. (laughs) Maybe the Canadians made a trade or two. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, if they don't match, I think trades are happening. So I, there, there should be uh, a lot to talk about. So, uh, I mean, as always, uh, follow us uh, at the Habs Forum on Twitter. If you have any comments about what we said today or more comments about the Kakinami situation, uh, we always uh, love hearing your opinions and, uh, and uh, talk about it on the podcast. So, uh, as always, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.